Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. In today's episode, I want to discuss how to succeed in the food service channel, really at an intermediate level with practical strategies and tactics that you can implement in your business. So if you're new to food service, I've included links to a food service 101 article for you to get up to speed. But really for a base for this conversation, I'm going to focus on CPG products in corporate break rooms, office micro markets, and college campuses. There's a couple other channels out there in this realm, but I think those are going to be really juicy for us today. So to help me with this conversation, I've invited on my friend, Matt Cotton, who is the founder of Rooted Food Sales, and he helps CPG brands sell into and succeed in the food service channel. Matt, welcome. Thank you, Jordan. It's good to see you, and thank you for having me. So, Matt, let's start by kind of doing a quick recap of the different players involved kind of in this food service journey, because I know it's a little different from grocery. And so brands kind of have questions on like the difference between distributors, operators, the client, the end, like consumers. Can you kind of break down what that landscape looks like? Mm -hmm. So as far as channels, our primary focus at Rooted, so which would be the case for most of the brands listening. So college and university, QSR, meaning quick serve restaurants where Chipotle or Sweetgreen or Starbucks would be the real big examples. You have traditional restaurants, cheesecake factories of the world. And then you have convenience is a really great channel, travel and vending. And then I will cut myself off. Those are those are the big channels. And it matters a little bit if you're front of house, meaning like a empanada delivering to a kitchen versus a packaged good like a chip or a beverage, which categories are going to be more interesting for you. And then I think a lot of our listeners are going to be more on the side of like a packaged food or beverage. And which of the channels out of those tend to be most interesting for maybe the brand under $5 million in sales? College, university, convenience, and vending. Travel is interesting, but it's a very costly part. can be very costly, a barrier to enter in food service. So yeah. And then and then corporate as well. I think I did not mention that in my first go around. So those four, corporate, college, convenience, and vending for packaged goods. And then one thing that I find is that it's interesting is on the corporate side, because I tend to get the most questions there. A lot of founders are confused on like how they enter that channel in terms of like, sometimes they'll hear the name like an operator thrown out like a canteen. Um, other times I'll hear the word of like a distributor, like UNFI or Vista. So can you kind of talk about like that landscape from like the role of distributors and operators mm-hmm. coming in the space? Mm-hmm. So the operator or the end user, right? In in the, the retail example would be like Whole Foods would be the operator or the end user. So in food service, that would be Google or LinkedIn. So the person getting them the product, unless they're buying direct, which is rare-ish, so the distributor in food service for a packaged good, it could be UNFI. UNFI does a lot of food service. It could be Vistar. And then a lot of people think Cisco and U.S. Foods, they're more back of house heavy, where packaged good is going to be more Cornmark, Vistar, 
UNFI, to name a few examples. And then you have, this doesn't, isn't too much, then you have management companies. So the management companies, the big examples would be Aramark, Sodexo, Compass, Canteen that you mentioned is part of Compass. So they're basically outsource run the operation. So college and university, hey, we're not going to manage our own staff and worry about the menu. We're just going to give it to Aramark for five years. And then Aramark is working those operations. And that's the same for corporate. Sometimes, not always, there's a management company managing the account. Yeah, it definitely can get complicated. And you don't always know who's the right person or the right player, right? Yeah, usually, not always, but usually if you go to write an email and it's at like cornell.edu, you're like, oh, they're a self-op. A self-op means they're not a management company. And if you go to write an email to Northeastern and it says at compass.edu or at Aramark, there you go. And if you go to, yeah, and so if you go to a college dining page and it says meet the team, great, I'd love to, you go to the email addresses, you'll know right there. And, you know, those with the management companies, it's not completely red tape, but it may, it's more ideal to reach out to a self-op. It, yeah. No, that totally makes sense. And so let's maybe start off with, you know, like the differences in like offices and universities, because I think there's a couple different type model types within there. So maybe let's start with universities, because there's like the uni- the convenience store type plays at university. And then there's also like the dining hall kind of plays, right? So the dining hall, for the most part, they do have beverages in there and snacks. Uh, for the most part, the dining hall is going to be more ingredient focused and delivering through Cisco or U.S. Foods to a kitchen. So that's more if you're an empanada or a burger and that real price sensitivity. No, There is more price sensitivity there because a student's swiping for whatever they're swiping for and they can eat as much as they want. So if, you're pro- if your product is super premium, it's going to be tough to get into that space because they could grab 15 of your items and no one can really stop them. On campus, there are convenience stores, retail outlets, micro marts within a campus, like a large school, like my neck of the woods, UMass Amherst might have 11 to 15 mini convenience stores where they are, they can charge whatever they want. So yeah, that's where they're going to carry different kinds of jizz and snacks and some food service items as well on campus. And those distributors are going to be more the package distributors, like I said, UNFI, Vistar, Kehi, maybe Cormark, Jay Polyp as well. And then on the office side, there's, you know, it's interesting. I know, especially pre-pandemic, and let me know if that's changed now, but there used to be like more like cafes in some of the larger offices. Yep. Some of them have like yep. the micro markets. Can you talk about the different yeah, types that show up there? Totally. So it they're amazing. You know, some of these larger, medium-sized corporations, they want to attract and then keep amazing talent. And part of that is, you know, you walk into, which I've been to for a sales call, the LinkedIn office in New York. It's amazing. Like the best coffee, the best drinks, really, really good food, all for free. It's it's incredible. So as far as the package good, what's interesting there is it's a free giveaway. Uh, so if it's too costly, you know, I won't name them by name, but I've had some interest from for some large corporations and it's just too costly. So first and foremost, like when you think about a bar, you want to have like a Halloween size, like, you know, a small bar because it's going to be a 
free giveaway. Rarely are you going to see a large bar. But yeah, so in the corporations, it's a it's a free giveaway. The volume can be incredible. Even, right, it will never look the same post-COVID, but the numbers now are still incredibly strong. Yeah, I remember we were selling to Cisco Systems, like the hardware tech company, and they were ordering pallets of T-squares. And they started off with like, half a pallet, then moved to one pallet a week later, and then ordered four pallets a month later. And it was wild. And this was all pre-COVID, but like it was wild how how much volume we were moving yeah. there. Yeah. And people should know, like you, you can have your 20 colleges you want to go after. And like with some grit and some effort and some scrappiness, you'll get in touch with a handful and, you know, potentially sell to a couple. Corporate is yeah, it's, it's a trickier sales process, but way more upside. You know, it's not as obvious. Who so let's talk a little to. bit about that that sales process for a brand who's just entering into, into like food service and wants to get into corporate. How do they go about doing that? Like, what's that sales strategy look like? Scrappy, scrappy. So, you know, we have our connections, but we're getting scrappy and getting after it every day. So I can speak to you firsthand. So it's just Googling, like, it's just Googling Google. It's Googling like head, you know, food service director at Google or, you know, employee, head of employee satisfaction. Sometimes it's odd titles, head of retail. But usually, you know, usually with some Google search, you can find a handful of people and then it's just sending a message. I mean, I can't even pretty it up. That's how it is. And just being prepared that they will most likely ask you if you're in their distribution. So just getting ready to field that question. My favorite way that I used to get in with T-Squares is through my college network. Like I say I went to the University of Michigan and Illinois, and Michigan touts itself as having the most active alumni network and Illinois the largest. And so I literally just like reach out to all my contacts who are working at corporate office and be like, hey, nice. do you want to eat T-Squares for free? every day, you know, like, yeah. you know, get us, you know, find out who's managing the office ordering or the snack ordering. And we'd love to see some samples to like share with them and request them in your office and get your coworkers to do it. Because that's one thing I've learned is that the office staff like really take recommendations from employees very seriously to bring in new product. And that worked. I love it. That's awesome. And then in the college you University. The dietitian is sneaky, very interesting and receptive. So dietitian, the director of food service or the executive chef, if you have more of a back of house item, not if you're selling a bag of chips, and then the director of retail. So if you have a package good, I would say the director of retail or the registered dietitian, if you have some health attributes to share. I love that. And then so once you get into maybe your first couple offices or kind of working with a management company, how do you recommend they kind of leverage that new like management company relationship to then grow to other customers beyond that first one? So if it's a management company, whoever kind of brought you in. So if you're working with a management company, you're going to be paying, it depends which management company, how they're going to be terming it up, but you're going to be paying a percentage. It's a big percentage. You're going to be paying seven. And, and many brands don't even enter this world. And it's not something that's maybe even recommended early on. But if you're working with Aramark's Exo Compass, you're going to be paying minimum 10%. And if you're more of a commodity item, up to 20% uh, to them. So once you're partnered with them, yeah, working with the person who kind of brought you in. And they have so many different, they have shows and events and different regional people to work with. I 
mean, this is almost like 2.0. I feel like even working with the distributor actually might be how to work with the distributor may be more interesting for this conversation. But yeah, let's talk me. about the distributor. Okay. And then there's how to support the operator as well. Yeah, because I would say getting getting contracted with the management company, it's a thing, right? And they don't pioneer for the most part. You're going to have to be in DOT or several points of distribution. So if you're in Cisco or Vistar, whoever it may be, like you should not, it doesn't matter what they say during that initial meeting. You know, they say, once you're in there, we're going to sell your products. No, the vast majority of the time, they, each rep has is putting out so many fires, has thousands of SKUs, you know, 30, 40, 50 accounts. So you should not ever count on a distributor rep to sell your product. That's just not how it works. So the way we do it is really to focus on like, the top tier of accounts and distributor reps so that, you know, at Cisco, they have what are called national account reps, depending on the Cisco, there could be five all the way up to 15 and they're handling, you know, not the street accounts. They're dealing with the real juicy accounts, the corporate accounts, the, the management accounts, the hospitals, the colleges, both managed and health ops, the stadiums, the chain restaurants. So it's trying to get in front of the quote unquote national account reps. Those are the reps that, can really move the needle for you and where you want to kind of get leads from. You know, if you're just starting off and you're in your local Cisco or US Foods, right? That's a big deal. And you want to get like roll up your sleeves even more and you have the time, then you could connect with, you know, Cisco might have seven to 12 regions, districts with a district manager, seven to 11 reps in their district. So like I said, if you want to roll up your sleeves, you can connect with the districts, do district meetings, get the street reps fired up. But for the most part, in, at least in our world, we're focusing on the national account reps. Yeah, I think that's so strong. Because the one thing that I've seen happen is similar with when you're selling the grocery, you might pitch to a, five different retailers. And if they have five different distributors that they work with, it's going to be a pain to manage like low to mid volume at five different distributors. But if you can yes. bucket between like the management companies and the distributors who kind of service account, you can start moving better volume. And if you're moving more volume with a couple people, then you'll definitely get more notoriety and more kind of say to expand. Yeah. And as far as how to support the operator, it's definitely less so than retail. That's certainly not said it and forget it. With a college university, once you're in there, They'll, you know, to offer up demoing at an event, whether it's kickoff of fall semester, you know, like I personally, you know, we have a bunch of items in Boston University. They have this massive event at the beginning of each semester. And yeah, and I'll go and do that with our brands that are in there. So yeah, it's offering up whether it's during a lunch period or an event that they have going on just to come in, share about the local, if that's the case, or fun attributes of the brand, give away some free product at the students five. So that's something that's important to offer. You can also offer up any signage that you have. It will help with turn and just make people aware of the new product or the cool attributes of the product. And then like if you're in a QSR, like a coffee shop or a salad bowl type place, it's tough. It, for the most part, if I'm being honest, it's really tough to support. I mean, I could, you know, I could force a couple examples, but for the most part, it's them it's them working, you know, you go in there, give give away some free shirts, say hello to the staff to make sure they're familiar with the product. So it's not, you know, that's an okay route to go. Have you had any success or try doing like demo type events or like meet the founder events with corporate offices? 
Yes. Well, so Rooted started March 12th, 2020. So <laughs> corporate offices have just like been you know, around like six, <laughs> seven months. But yes, overall, for sure. And it's just, it's the same. It's going in during a lunch period. And you're doing that like to get some of employees fired up. And you're just doing that to just like work the relationship, right? The staff, you're saying hello to them, you're giving them samples. And it's just, you're getting everyone excited for a day. And like that momentum quickly fades, but like you did your thing and and people are aware it's there and it's great. And, you know, even if you can offer coupons to the employees as well, and just get them real jazzed up about the product. Yeah. Cause that's one thing that I found is that like some of those corporate accounts can be, as you mentioned, like very juicy and very lucrative, but a lot of times you don't have like the clearest visibility on what's happening. Like you can kind of see your orders, but it's not like a grocery store where you can see like sales volume or usage volume really. And, you know, just as a aside, like we were selling T-squares at a Braintree's office who was owned by PayPal. And they had like two floors and we were able to do like a, we asked permission. We did a survey of the brain tree employees and it turns out like 60% of their employees had never even like heard of T-squares and knew they were in because they were only stocked in one of the, one of the cafeterias and there were like five in the office. And so unless they like trekked to that cafeteria and happened to try it, like they had no idea existed. And so in terms of like, penetration is like, wow, if only, you know, we could increase the number of people who even knew about us there, then hopefully we could increase our our consumption volume and our sales volume from that. And so there's like all these opportunities that we didn't really know existed until we actually like asked and they let us do a survey and we were able to like meet a couple of employees and things like that. But it was so eye-opening. That's awesome. The, uh, you know, so that was like a fun example we were able to like get in. So yeah, I think there's tons of opportunity there. Have you seen, I guess, what's the state of the kind of corporate ordering and buying environment now? Or are you seeing like offices buying more? Is the volume like 50% yeah. like of what you kind of think it is? Yeah. What does it look like? Yeah, I think 50 to 60% of pre-COVID would be the number, would be the range that comes to mind. But yeah, it's 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 back. It will it will like I said, it will never be the same. But it's still a ridiculously awesome channel because it's the volume, right? It's just these big corporations trying to make. Yeah, the volume's amazing, and, and, and you know, I'm sure many of your brands are in Unify. Unify is a distributor to a ton of incredible corporate accounts. Yeah, when um. Is is like we were T squares. We got the advice from one of our mentors, Elliot Began, to launch in like things like Unify, Rockland, and Moreno Valley that serves like a lot of the Google accounts and Silicon Valley accounts. And that was huge for us just to be able to get in there and generate leads. And I don't know if they still do this, but Unify used to publish a list of like all their sales reps and their email addresses. And so. Yeah. We had I like went to that list and emailed all the reps who managed like their food service accounts. I was like, hey, yeah. can I help you get more sales to your customers? Like, you know, if you're willing to like introduce us to some of you know, oh, let me know who some of your best customers are. Like, I will help sell product in for you to help get you commission, you know, on their behalf. And for some it worked, for some it didn't, but that was a yeah. really great avenue too. Yeah, that list, that list exists with some effort. And maybe some working in a little bit for doesn't Cisco, PFG, UNFI, that exists, that list. Yeah, I'll have to get the update once. I think mine's from pre-COVID. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I love all this stuff. And, you know, I think it's also interesting. So 
can, what else can you kind of, did we not talk about from like the food service side? That yeah, so, so the thing about? that comes, the thing that just pops in my mind right now, right? Putting aside the person who wants to do the, you know, pick up the single unit coffee shop and drive them, you know, product every Tuesday, but the people who don't want to spin their wheels, right? So it's like, what do you want that's going to be enough to force distribution? And, you know, when you talk about, when we talk about QSR, so salad bowl, coffee shops, burger spot, you know, the buy the book minimum for distributors is five cases a week per SKU. So if you're going after that coffee shop, of course, not Jane's single juice shop or coffee shop, Jane who has like six or seven, because you have to move five or six. And then once again, I'm sharing all this, just so you know, spin your wheels. And once you get interest, it's finding out they're like, oh, are you in our local Cisco? And the answer is no. So you, but you want to make them feel comfortable about moving forward. No, but I know, I know with interest, we can get in your local Cisco. Can I work it? You know, can, do you mind sharing your distributor rep name and I'll figure out distribution and we'll, we'll get you product. And then it's making them comfortable to share the distributor rep info, getting their commitment for, you know, you're selling them two SKUs, 10, 10 12 cases a week, bringing that interest to the distributor rep. Hey, James, you shop wants it all locations going to do 12 cases a week then that email will mean something where chain chains three unit you're just gonna you're just gonna waste your energy and time and then colleges you know for back of house it's 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 probably any school for retail the volume smaller on a packaged item it'd be a larger school 15 20 20 000. but sometimes it will just force the conversation with the distributor instead of forcing distribution then that has its own positivity and momentum are there any set like buying or pitching periods for for the different groups i'm assuming like college and university might have a different schedule for like when it's yeah, best to pitch. yeah good good question so there are better times so but if you're an ingredient once again you're an empanada or you know and you have to make your way onto a menu it's more sensitive you know because once the start of this semester starts you know you they've made up their menu retail is less so you can kind of always find your way onto shelves. But yeah, the, the best time would be March through mid-July for the fall semester and then letting first semester get underway and then call it mid-late September to to mid-November. So if they say yes, you have that several, several weeks to work it with the distributor and get that distribution in place. I love it. So I think what's fun for me is that food service can have a lot of new players, especially for brands who are typically used to doing like grocery or, or online. And so it's important to like really have a clear strategy of how you want to work it. Otherwise you can easily get lost. And I love that you guys go so in depth on this. Yeah. And then just to give a plug for food service, you know, and you should know as well, we don't have to probably enough time. We won't get into the financials now, but like food service, C store is more similar to grocery, but traditional food service, pork brick, college, university, QSR, what we're talking about now is super clean business, like through the distributor to the operator, super clean, healthy business. So it's like we're retail, you can grow your door count, but have to pay for it a lot, you know, more often than not in food service, you're making money off case, case one. Yeah. Once you're in, you're kind of in no chargebacks, no slotting fees, no promotions. (laughs) I love it. Yes. Yep. Well, Matt, I love this conversation. Thanks for joining today. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you or Rudit? Yeah, thank you very much. So I'm pretty active on it. So Rudit, so Matt Cotton, just check me out on LinkedIn. 
We have a bunch of events, including a rooted roundtable. Well, it will, well, it's airing in a couple of days. So this will air after that, but we're going to do a monthly rooted roundtable. So connect with me on LinkedIn or rootedfoodsales.com. Perfect. I love it. Thanks so much for being on today. Thank you, Jordan.